Thank you, Jesus. What? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Good evening, everyone. Okay. I'm having a good day. Um, I don't know about all of you. Um, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. I'd like for you to ask you to keep the Sheffield family in your prayers. Uh, Ronnie Sheffield, along with his family, have been members here at Triumph for many, many, many years. Um, and Ronnie's mom passed away uh, this past weekend. So Pastor Lindsay is with the family this evening, and uh, we'll be having these services tomorrow. I just ask that you would keep their family in your prayers. Can you do that for me? Uh, Ronnie Sheffield, uh, Pam, Pam um, I'm uh, forgetting all of their names. Forgive me for that. Uh, but wonderful, wonderful family that have been friends and members of this house for decades. Most of the 29 years, uh, actually, uh, that we've been here. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. We began a, a short series last week. I may get it finished today. may not quite. We begin with this verse. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to yourself. Check yourself out. Examine yourself. How are you doing? We began to ask and answer these questions last Wednesday night. How am I doing? We're comparing this to a trip to the doctor. The vital signs that your doctor would check when you go for a visit. Uh, if you're like me, you hate going to the doctor. Anybody hate going to the doctor? Okay. Uh, I, I hate going to the doctor. It is no fun. Um, but we have to go at times. And at times they tell us some not so good news. But you know, in truth, as much as we hate going, doctors are there to help us. Usually. Um, they're, 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 they're mostly there to help us. They're mostly there to try to keep us healthy, to keep us uh, living the best life we can uh, physically uh, or, or mentally or whatever kind of doctor we're emotionally, whatever time, type of doctor we're going to see. But you have to go see someone if you want to get that help. Uh, and, in, and in life, in the same way, uh, when we're looking at our life and our spiritual life, we have to stop and look at ourselves in light of the Word of God and say, how am I doing? In Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, we looked at this scripture last week as well. Uh, he said, uh, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High. This word persecute there literally means to wear out. So, so one of the attacks of the enemy is literally to wear you out. I, I don't want you to live your life worn out. How many of you are just sick and tired of being sick and tired? Let's talk about why. Let's get to the root cause. Uh, earlier this year, maybe it was late last year, uh, my, my family and I, as most of you know, were going through some very serious uh, health struggles, all four of us. Um, we all had crazy things going on. I sat down in front of my doctor at 29 years old. And I, as I said, I never go to the doctor. I went for the shingles that I wasn't supposed to have but had. And after run, running a bunch of tests, he looked at me and he said, Well, Mr. Clark, you either have nothing, it's just from playing sports, or you have bladder cancer, one or the other. 
the heck, dude? I'm 29 years old. You can't tell me that. Come up with a plan C, an option, uh, none of the above, one of those. How about that? Thank the Lord it turned out to be nothing. But um, in the process of some of these, uh, you know, finding out what's wrong with you is sometimes like a treasure hunt. A million tests, poked and prodded and everything else, right? And God spoke this word to me and he said, don't curse the symptoms because the symptoms point you to the root and I want to lead you to the root. And sometimes we get so busy in life, we're going to talk about this more at the close of the sermon, but we get so busy in life cursing the symptoms and trying to get rid of the symptoms and God is saying, I gave you symptoms to point you to the root to help you get to the root and really fix the problem. How many of you want to get to some roots of some problems in your life? All right. Last week we talked about, uh, let's see, what did we talk about last week? Heart rate, and we talked about, uh, I can't even remember, what was it? Our pulse, our heart rate, we talked about these things. Today the first thing I want to talk to you about is your blood pressure. How many of you know, one of the first things they do, you come in, they strap that little deal on your arm, and uh, they pump the little thing, you get the blood pressure. Uh, when my mom was having a surgery years ago, I was either in high school or just out of high school, and she was having this major surgery, and she needed blood. So my dad looks at me, and he says, Son, your mom needs blood. It's time for you to man up and go give blood, because I don't do needles. I pass out almost every time, just boom, out on the ground. Um, I, don't, I don't really know what to tell you. I, I, went to, I was going on a mission trip to Peru. I was 14 years old. I go in there with uh, uh, the lady, my babysitter or somebody that was taking me in there and a couple of girls that I was, you know, trying to be all cool in front of. And uh, I get the shots, no big deal. I walk out in the lobby. I'm writing my check uh, to, to pay for the shots that I had just gotten. I pass out on the ground in the middle of the lobby. And I wake up in this big, really tall lady has my feet up in the air pushing me across the ground like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, you passed out. And I'm like... Looking around at these girls like, oh, shoot, that's over now. So my, my, my dad said, son, it's time to buck up and go get, get a shot. So I have to bring some with me, one with me to drive me home because I know it's about to happen. I get in there. They don't even, I don't even get into the room where they give you the shot. I get into the room where they take your blood pressure and prick your finger. I see the little thing to prick your finger. I'm like passing out. They're like taking my blood pressure. They're going, they're going this, this, something's not right here. I'm going, no. It's all right. I do this all the time. <laughs> they couldn't take my blood. As a matter of fact, at the bottom of my sheet, it said, don't ever call back again. Blood pressure. One of the first things your doctor's checks is your blood pressure. What they're checking is the force of blood against the wall of your arteries. The, 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 the force that your blood is being pumped as it hits the wall of your arteries. Uh, blood pressure, a healthy blood pressure for an adult is somewhere between 120 over 80. Could be a little higher, a little lower than that. But that's pretty much the, the healthy range that they're looking for. High blood pressure is a problem as well as low blood pressure is a problem. And they both create some unique challenges. Health officials in the U.S. say that one-third of our population have blood pressure problems and don't even know it. You think about that. You think about all the people you know that have blood pressure problems, and they know it. Take them off the list and say, of all the other people that don't know, one-third of them have blood pressure problems and don't even realize it. 
You know, and I really believe that in our lives, the same thing is true. We have, uh, we have problems going on in our spiritual life in, in our, that, that are spiritually related, and we, and we don't even know it. Symptoms of high blood pressure include confusion, dizziness, headaches, fatigue, irregular heartbeat, pain in the chest, problems breathing, vision problems. Uh, when I think thought about this, I, the correlation is that at times we have too much power or not enough power in our life. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about Holy Ghost power, although that could be true at the same time. But what I'm talking about is if you've ever been in the place where you feel like you're working really, really hard and getting nowhere. Have you ever felt that way? Or if you've been in the place where you feel like you're working harder than everybody else. You're just going 90 to nothing and everybody else is just chilled, having a good time in life. And you are going like crazy. Have you ever been on one or the end of the scale or the other? Uh, it, it leads us to a place of confusion. We're too emotional, we're too frustrated, we're too intense about a situation. We're confused as to why other people don't, don't get upset. I had a parent call me this week and said, I need some help with, with my kids. I don't know what to do with them. I, I, I'm spanking them, but that's not working, and I need to ask you a question. And their question was, am I overreacting? Have you ever asked that question about yourself? Maybe not about your kids. Maybe, maybe you never overreact with your kids. But just in life, you look around, and you're the only one that's upset. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy tonight. I know I'm not crazy. I know that I'm not overreacting right now. Have you ever looked around and said, am I over? Is there too much of me going into this situation right now? Why is everybody else calm and cool? Right? We're driving down the road the other day. Cloud comes through the sky. My wife is scared of uh, tornadoes, as you know, and weather. And so, you know, she's like all over the seat climbing, you know, and she's like, why are you okay right now? And I'm like, it's not even raining. So she's asking this question to the other people in the car. Am I overreacting right now? At times in our life, we, we get confused. Am I, am I going too far? And, and where am I on the scale of how I should be responding? Fatigue. Are you just tired all the time? I'm not talking about just physically tired because you work too hard. But I'm talking about emotionally tired. Are, are you spiritually tired? Are you just weary? Vision problems. There was a day when you could see clearly your life, your future, your purpose, your plan. But if you were to be honest right now, the future is just cloudy. It's just blurry. You can't really see into the future. People say, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. I'm just trying to make it right now. Just trying to put one foot in front of the other. No vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. One of the problems uh, is that when we get to the point in our life where, where we don't have any vision, we get into the point where we're on our way to perishing. You need vision in your life. Have you lost your vision? Is it out of focus? Are you just living day to day or are you driving towards something in your future? Is there something out there that you're reaching for? Or have you just stopped reaching? Vision. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. You guys are tired, I think. Let me go back to that fatigue one for a minute. You might have too much power and energy and emotion for your life to handle. Have you ever heard the saying, it's like trying to drink out of a fire hydrant? Have you ever heard somebody say that? That's what, okay, that was what we said in the country. Okay. <laughs> Think about it. You, you take a 
drink a water out of a cup, but you don't take a, a, turn on a fire hydrant full blast and try to get a cup of water. The water's there. It might can help you, but it's too much, right? So there, we get to the point in our life where we have too much, too much energy, too much, uh, uh, too much drive, too much passion to where we can't get anything done because it's just too much. Go, go, go all the time. Remember last week we talked about the need for rest, about how God put it in us that we need rest. We need rest. Um, you don't have to live your life like that. The other end of the spectrum is low blood pressure. Symptoms include lightheaded, uh, being lightheaded, dizzy, fainting, lack of concentration, uh, fatigue, and depression. So this is the one where we're working really hard, but nothing's happening. It's like uh, driving your car trying to take off in the wrong gear. I know we don't drive standards much anymore, but for those of you that have driven a standard in your life, it's like trying to take off in fourth gear. You're giving it gas, and you're pumping it hard, but you're going nowhere because you have no power. You remember uh, the old 10-speed bikes. Well, they're not old. I mean, they're old for me. I hadn't ridden one in years. But uh, if you rode a 10-speed bike, you know, and you had it in the wrong gear, you're trying to take off, and you're not getting anywhere uh, because you don't have any power. Leads to lack of concentration, no focus. You ever feel like when you're praying, you can't stay focused? It, like every time you sit down to pray, you get distracted. Like, like everything floods in on you. You can't pray for five minutes. You want to. You're trying. You set aside your whole day. I am going to pray this morning and I'm going to start a new habit. And so we, we take off and three minutes into it, we're, we're out in right field and we're thinking about something else right? Lack of concentration. Have you ever been sitting in a worship service and everybody around you is worshiping and you're singing the words, but you, but you know good and well you're not focused and you're not concentrating on what you're doing? Just floating off in space, thinking about things, loving Jesus, really wanting Jesus, but no concentration. Uh, fainting. Fainting is a problem with low blood pressure, a la me in the room with the needle. Do you ever get to the point where you just hit the end of your rope, where your body or your spirit just shut down, and you just, you just shut down temporarily, can't take it anymore, you just shut down. Can't pray, can't read, can't worship, don't want to talk to anybody, don't want to see anybody, just shut down. Uh, for those of you that know my mother, know that uh, she works like crazy. Um, she works on adrenaline, uh, and she gets a lot of stuff done. I mean, she will go like crazy for months. I'm telling you, working like insane amount of hours, uh, never sleeping. She doesn't eat. She eats like M&Ms and a Dr. Pepper. That's like her daily uh, vitamin intake right there. I'm not kidding. Um, but what she does is, like for instance, ladies, when we get through with fresh fire, she will go 90 to nothing. But when she gets through with fresh fire, her body is so depleted that she literally gets sick and passes out on the couch for about a week. Can't get off the couch. Just lays there. And that's the way, that's the way she's lived my whole life. I, I don't understand it, but that's the way she does it. And I think sometimes we, we get that way in life where we're going, we're going, and we're going, and then we just hit the end of our rope, and we just we can't take it anymore. I don't know that that's a healthy way to live life. I don't know that I want you to have to live life that way. Then there's depression. Are you depressed? Do you, do you feel all alone and far from God? Have you lost your joy? Have you lost your joy? It's time to shift gears and to get more output from your e efforts. Some of the most common causes, the two most common causes of high blood pressure are anxiety and stress. 
Anxiety and stress. Anxiety and stress have very real impacts on your emotional health and your spiritual health as well. Did you know this? Almost one-third of Americans suffer from extreme stress. Not stress, extreme stress. Nod your head if you think you're one of those one-third. <laughs> Here's the most, com- most common reasons. Five most common causes. Finances, work, the economy, relationships, or health problems. Five, five most common reasons why people deal uh, with extreme stress. Think about this. 18% of Americans 18 or older deal with anxiety. And of those 18% that deal with anxiety, most of them have more than one anxiety problem or anxiety disorder, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, things like this. They have multiples. So you don't just get one. You get like multiples. Isn't that fun? Uh, It's a problem, anxiety and stress. So how how do you deal with this? Well, you take a pill. I'm trying to wake you guys up today. You aren't just, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to give you three challenges in your life. Three challenges. You're going to say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know how to make this work. I just want to challenge you, and I want you to take this home and think about it, okay? If you're dealing with some of these things in your life, and as you say, how am I doing, I want to challenge you to think about these things. Number one, I want you to learn the art of delegation. Learn the art of delegation. It's a key to life and leadership. It's a key to life and leadership. Uh, Parents, delegate to your kids. Delegate them things to do and get done. Delegate to them. Employers, delegate. Learn the art of delegation. Husbands and wives, delegate. Delegate. Learn delegation. The second level of that, the second level of delegation is then to empower. It's to go beyond just giving somebody a list of things to do, but it's in empowering them with the ownership to take hold of something. You see, if I'm just telling you things to do, I'm still carrying the weight of getting it done. But if I empower you, I'm taking the weight and giving it to you, giving you the weight, the power, and the authority to get it done, to make it happen. Empowering. It's the next level uh, uh, of delegation. The third thing I want to challenge you to do, and this is the most difficult of all, I want to challenge you to reinvent yourself. Reinvent yourself. What what do you mean, Pastor Rainer? Well, I mean this. Times change, and things that were effective years ago may not be effective anymore. Strategies, methods, ideas, plans, visions, structures, ways of life that were effective may not be effective anymore. They may not because times change. People change. Cultures change. And you know what? You've changed. You just have. We change. We do. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But you look up And we have changed. Ten years down the road, 20 years down the road, we've changed. We have to reinvent ourselves. We have to change and evolve as well, or the world will take off and leave us. Think about this. What if you treated your teenagers exactly the same way as you did when they were infants? 
How would that work? Probably not very well. You don't want to make them a bottle three times a night for the rest of their lives. <laughs> right? You don't want to do it. You don't want to change their diapers. You don't want to do that. At some point, you have to change the way you treat them. Then they become a child. You treat them differently. I treat my 8-year-old differently than I treat my 4-year-old. Do I love them less? No, but my 8-year-old is in a different place in life than my 4-year-old, right? And we, so we have to change. We have to evolve. We have to, uh, you need to know this. This church has evolved. How many of you have been here more than 20 years? Anybody in here been here more than 20 years? Ronnie? Me? Okay, 15 years. Anybody been here more than 15 years? Okay, a few. Been, anybody been here longer than 10 years? Okay, a few more. How many been longer than, here longer than five years? Keep your hands raised. Everybody raise your hand if you've been longer, here longer than five years or 10 years or 15. Everybody, everybody that I've called out. Okay, nod your head at me if you think this church has changed in the time you've been here. Some of you would say, oh, it's much better now. Pastor Renan, you're a much better preacher than your father. <laughs> Just kidding. But you might say you're a much better preacher than when you first got here. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, Pastor Renan, I'm so glad you stopped treating and preaching us to us like you're in youth ministry. Really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, things evolve and things change. Sometimes we like it and sometimes we don't. There are things that when you came here in the 90s, you may have loved, been the reason that you came, and you don't see them as much anymore. Some of that, I tried to hold on to it as long as I could, but the world changed and things evolved. And here's the reality. If this church is going to continue to be cutting edge and on the front lines of reaching people with the message of Jesus Christ, we have to continually evolve and change. You know what churches do that don't evolve and don't change? You know what they do? They get old and die. They just do. I don't really want this church to get old and die. Do you? But I want to keep reaching people. When we're building this building back here, I, I want to build something. You've heard me say this before, that, that when everyone in this room has died and gone to heaven, unless the Lord comes and takes us sooner, when we're all in heaven, I want us to be a part of the cloud of witnesses that is looking down on this facility, this, this area here, this building, and, and hopefully another one next door here that is still reaching people in southeast Texas with the message of Jesus. It's a serious business for me. And so because of that, I have to continually, and our staff and our, and our senior leadership, have to continually make sure that we are evolving and changing and growing with the times so that this church doesn't get old and die and become ineffective. What about your life? Are you utilizing methods that are ineffective? Listen, my, my grandparents have been married, oh man, I'm going to say 60-something years now. Uh, they have quite the marriage. If you try to model their marriage the way that men and women think today, you wouldn't make it a week. I promise you, you wouldn't. Now, I'm not knocking their marriage. They've made it 60-something years, and they love each other, and they are happy. But I am telling you right now, if I said I'm going to take a freshly married young couple and say, go model my grandparents' marriage, they wouldn't make it. Because we think differently today than we did in the 40s when they got married. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just the way things are. We have to evolve and change or our life will become ineffective. 
Are, are you partying like it's 1999 still? <laughs> that was not only a few years ago. That was over a decade ago and an entire century ago. <laughs> it's time to ask myself, are my habits killing me? Are my habits messing me up? Are my habits causing me to be ineffective and frustrated in life? Not bad, just old and ineffective, out of date. It's time to change. It's time to catch up. Can I get another amen this this evening? You're going to love me when we keep evolving. You're going to love me when we keep changing. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know, Pastor Randy. We're we're teetering on the edge right now. Number two is temperature. Temperature. Body temperature is a measure of the body's ability to generate and get rid of heat. So sometimes your body has to generate heat. Other times your body has to get rid of heat. Uh, The average healthy body temperature, if you take your temperature orally, is how much? 98.6 degrees. A little higher than that if you take it uh, in your ear. But 98.6 degrees is right about the right place. If you get up to 101, 102, you got a problem, right? (laughs) You're very sick. Uh, so we monitor our temperature. They come in, they stick that little deal in the trach, they stick it in your mouth, and they, dee, 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 dee. they take it out and say, oh yes, you, you have a problem. <laughs> Thank you, I knew that. What's going on is your body is inviting an infection or something foreign. So your body temperature rises. Uh, it's fighting things. It's one of the first signs of sicknesses. When, when I was a kid and I would say, Mom, I'm not feeling well. Moms, what was the first thing you would do? Come over here. Let me feel your forehead. All, you're all grabbing your forehead. Come over here. So as a kid, you know, I wouldn't even be like, my head feels hot, Mom. Of course, your head always feel hot, feels hot to you, right? Unless you're outside in the cold. It's like, oh, I'm burning up with fever. She comes in, go to school, <laughs> you know, because I was always trying to get out of school. So she, you know, feeling my head. Your, your body can handle and regulate a certain amount of heat, but too much is dangerous. Here's the correlation. What is your anger level? What's your anger level? Are you angry? Do you live your life just mad and frustrated? Did you wake up this morning and chew somebody out and don't even know why? Just mad? What's wrong with you today? I don't know, I'm just mad. About a year ago, I woke up mad at my wife, treating her bad, just, just mean. It wasn't good. I don't recommend it. She finally stopped me. She said, what did I do to you? I had dreamed something that made me mad about her, that she had done something that made me mad. And I was taking it out of her and didn't even think about it until she stopped and said, why are you mad at me? And I thought, oh, my gosh. I had a dream that you did, I don't know, something stupid, did something to me and made me mad. And I woke up and was treating her in response to my dream. Anger. How's your anger level? Here's the thing about anger that you need to understand, okay? Anger is not a root emotion. Remember a while ago I talked about don't curse the symptoms because they're pushing you to the root? Pointing you to the root? Anger. There is no anger gene in your body. Anger is not a root emotion. That means that it is an effect. It comes in response to something else in your life. Something causes anger in you. You're not just naturally angry. Something is causing anger. And if you never deal with the cause, you will live your life 
angry. Anger is not a root emotion. So affections come into our lives, and as we fight them, we have a tendency to get angry. One of the keys to living a happy life is the ability to get rid of anger. Here's what you need to understand in life. Things will happen. I, I was uh, talking to um, one of our staff members today and, and uh, just working through some challenges that they're, that they're facing. Good challenges, but challenges nonetheless. And, and I want to ask you this question. I'm gonna, not going to stay on it long, but it's just a question I want to ask you. Flip over to James chapter 1. I wasn't going to go here, but I, I, really, I really want to. Just ask you a question and let you go home and think about it. James chapter 1, verse 2, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible right here. Listen to what he says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Here's the question. When you're in the middle of a trial... How do you count it joy? The natural response is not to count it joy when you're fighting the devil and, and everybody else that you can fight. So how is it that he tells us, count it joy? How do you count it joy? Why should I count it joy? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So here's the truth. In the process, we count it joy, not because we're going, not because of the trial and the enemy that we're facing and what's frustrating us and giving us anger, but we count it joy because we know in the process of this, God is producing something in us. How do you count it joy? Things will happen. So we have to maintain peace because the loss of peace evolves into anger. When you lose peace, it turns into anger in your life. So maintain peace. It's one of the reasons why I, I pray and, and bless you as often as I can that the peace of God be upon your life. I pray that peace be with you. Why? Because peace, if you lose your peace, it evolves into anger. Guilt evolves into anger. Guilt that you're never good enough. Guilt that you're never doing it right. That you'll never live up. You're, you're not doing enough. And we live our lives trying to please a God that we're never sure is happy with us. But you need to understand something in your life. We have a covenant with God that is not based on performance, but is based on blood. So if you're living your life wondering if God is pleased with you or happy with you, are you doing enough? Listen, you're never doing enough. But it, he died, and that is enough. You understand? So don't allow guilt to steal your peace and turn to anger. So we have to recognize the root and deal with it so that the anger goes away. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Notice, anger wants to control you, right? When you get angry, you get hot, you, you feel adrenaline starting to pump through your body, your voice gets louder, your muscles start to tense up. I don't know if you have that problem. Uh, uh, anger, it wants to control you, it wants to take over. And then he said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. When, when anger takes control, it leads to sin. Anger doesn't typically lead you to God. L listen what Psalm said in Psalm 4 and 4. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. It's driving us towards sin. James chapter 1 verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God's desires. 
Anger drives us towards sin, not towards God. So we've got to deal with anger. Paul said, and the psalmist said, when you're on your beds, search out your heart and be silent. Paul said, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. They're saying the same thing here. Because, because here's the deal. A couple of things they're talking about. Number one, when you go to bed angry, and you go to bed with anger in your, in your mind, controlling you, then you fall asleep, and you're, you are no longer in control of your thoughts. And if you go to bed angry with that emotion controlling you, then those anger thoughts will continue to breed over the night. And before you know it, your thoughts have got away from you. Now you wake up in the morning and you do things you didn't really need to do or want to do. So we got to take all of our thoughts into captivity, right? He said it like this. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. What are you searching for? You're not searching out somebody to get back at. You're searching out the root. Why am I angry? Next time you get angry, I want you to stop and ask yourself this question. Why am I angry? Well, it's because they did this. Okay. But why am I allowing someone else to control my emotions? Why am I allowing someone else to dictate how I'm living my life? I just need to lay down and get a good night's rest. But because I'm so angry, I can't even sleep. Yes, they did that. Yes, it's their fault. Absolutely, it was wrong. Still shouldn't control you. Anger. We're looking for the root. Search your heart. And then notice he said this. Be silent. You ever notice how hard it is to be silent? Or maybe not for you. When I'm angry, I'm very vocal. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I tend to express my anger. And, and so I have to be very careful because the Bible says, be silent. Shut your mouth and listen. Who am I listening to? The Lord. He'll talk to you about it. He'll help you. But we don't, we don't stop long enough. We just got to, you know. Do you get people told in your mind? I have a I have a renter that I'm, a, I'm I'm about to kick out my second renter in six months here for not paying me, <laughs> and this guy's lied and lied and lied and lied and just just lied and avoided my phone calls and all that. So I'm really angry with him, and uh, or was really angry with him, and, and uh, like I had this whole deal, this whole speech ready to lay on him, and I had it all worked out. And then I started studying for this sermon here last week, and I went, "Okay, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'll be silent." Be silent allow God to speak. A couple of ways to deal with anger. As I was studying this scripture, I, I began to ask myself, if I'm angry, what do I do about it? Okay, would you like to know? There's a lot of ways you can. There's a lot of natural ways. But I'm going to give you two from scripture that you may never have seen before. Are you ready? Proverbs 20 and 20, New King James Version. The first part of that scripture says this. A gift in secret pacifies anger. Generosity is an antidote for anger. Generosity is an antidote for anger. Pastor Randon, when I'm mad, I don't want to give. <laughs> I know. It's because they're at odds with one another. But generosity drives out anger in your life. 
Why in secret? Because it's not about getting glory. It's not what it's about. It's not what generosity is about. It's, it's not about people knowing my name. It's just about being generous. Generosity. Here's the second one. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So here's the second one. Discretion makes us slow to anger. Discretion. Here's what discretion means. The quality of behaving in such a way as to avoid offense. So so here is one of the ways we, we deal with anger is we just plain avoid it. We don't put ourselves in a position to be offended. Don't put ourselves in a place to have our feelings hurt. To, to wear our feelings on a sleeve, our sleeves, as the saying goes, and allow people to hurt us all the time for any reason. Now, there are things in life that you can't avoid. People are going to hurt you. And if you think you're going to live your life without being hurt by people, you're going to live your life locked up in a closet somewhere because people will hurt you. But there is uh, a place to which we can position ourselves so that we avoid offense. Avoiding the things that cause anger. Here's the second definition of discretion. The freedom to decide what should be done in a particular situation. So when we get to those places and we are offended, here's the second, th- here's the second part of it. You have the freedom to decide how you should respond. Remember, anger is a reaction. You can control your reactions. You can control your response. So you have the discretion, the ability this is the word of God here. It says, you have the discretion and the ability to say, no, I'm not going to get angry over that. Did you know that about yourself? You can control your own response. The next time your, your, your teenager comes in acting wild and crazy, you have the ability to slow down, stop, and use discretion. Here's what the Hebrew uh, word means. The Hebrew word means prudent, insight, and understanding. Prudence, prudent insight and understanding. So here's what it is. It's going beyond just what you see, choosing not to be offended, and having the insight and understanding as to why something is being done to you. So often we get caught up on the fact that something is happening and who's doing it, and we forget to look at the reasons why they are doing it in the first place. We get so busy pointing our fingers that we forget to dig deeper. And, and, and discretion in the Hebrew is digging deeper. It's going down. It's using insight to say, you know what? That, that, that employer is acting a little wrong. And they are treating me wrong. But the question is, why are they doing that? Are they responding to someone else? Are they responding to someone above them? To their boss that is putting pressure on them, therefore they're doing things to me? Are they responding to the way I've treated them? Are they responding to an issue that's going on at home? But, but we don't want to do that. We want to make it all about us. They're treating me this way. They're doing this to me. It's not my fault. All these things. But, but discretion is diving deeper in. Looking with insight, with understanding. And that's when we come to the place when, when we are silent and we search our heart. We ask God to speak to us. He gives us insight into what's going on. Insight into the root. You have the freedom to decide what should be done and how you want to respond. Are you dealing with anger in your life?
I'm out of time this evening. Uh, I, I've got a couple of more, but I don't have enough time to, to finish them, so we'll save them uh, for next week. I want you to continue to ask yourself this question, how am I doing? How am I doing? I'm going to pray for you today and challenge you. Take a good hard look at yourself. I want you to make a note this week. As you go through your day, how many times are you getting angry? Just, just make a note. Keep it in your phone or in a little notebook somewhere. I just want you to make a note every time you get angry. And at the end of the day and at the end of the week, I want you to look back and say, My Lord, I was angry a lot or I wasn't angry very much. Right? How often are you angry? It's a lot of people that I know that just live angry. It's not a good way to live. Do you like being mad? Do you, do you enjoy it? Do you, just, do you just like, man, if I could do anything, I would just be more angry. I just would just, if I could ask the Lord for anything, it would just be more anger in my life. No. But what we would ask for is more peace. And here's the thing, because anger and peace are at odds, if you decrease the amount of anger, you will naturally increase the peace in your life. 